This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to this week's Legend of the Woods series podcast. Before we get into that, uh, we are going to cover the Last Breath launch party. If you're listening to this podcast on Prime Rib Day, uh, you still have a couple days to contact us and get some tickets. Uh, this show is going to be on the 21st, so that'll be uh, Friday night. Uh, be a good time for you to get out and uh, come to the show. They're going to be showcasing, I think, three of their videos that they're um, going to put out. And this is just kind of a sneak peek for everybody to come out and uh, support them guys and gal. And, um, you know, see see their films. Their films are immaculate. And, um, you know, Cody and I are very happy to call these guys our friends. And uh, I, th- I think we're friends. I think we're at that level. Um, but it's a, it's a great show. Uh, free admission. Uh, you just got to have a ticket. So if you need a ticket, just contact us or contact Last Breath on social. Get a ticket. Uh, you get a chance to win some gear. Uh, they throw a whole bunch of stuff out into the crowd. And the most important thing is you get free beer to enjoy the show with. So definitely looking forward to that. I'm going to be hammering it a little bit and uh, enjoying my time there. We're pretty pumped about that. We can't thank them guys enough for putting it on. And um, it's a blast. You guys, if you can make it, you definitely should try to make it. And uh, just want to thank them again for everything that they've done for this podcast and, you know, our videos and editing and um, just kind of how everything works. So if you're available hit us up and get a ticket or hit them up and get a ticket and it's going to be something that you're not going to want to miss it'll be here in Galesburg at the Orpheum Theater on Friday night June 21st let's get into the show welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast tomorrow is opening day this morning then I a great hunt deer didn't move like usual everybody's got set up in this bedding thicket um, saving this spot from the rut it's a nice
It's a 170. That was money. I think it's down right over there through 10 yards. Woo! Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. That OG real dream. Here we go. It's a Wednesday, and you got your earbuds in, or you're listening on your radio in your truck or car, and you are just rolling to the legacy right now. You're about to get real deep on a 240-inch buck, and you got to add 10 inches for the barbed wire. <laughs> so we're talking at least 260-plus. I know the math don't add up, but it can on when it gets this big. You can't even add. I can't count that high. That's way too big of a buck. Yeah. We got Adam on with a 240-inch gross Illinois buck. That's right, Illinois buck um, shot with a bow in the morning, late November. Um, very cool. Uh Hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, trail cams, a lot of stuff breaking down in this one. A lot of good tactics that you can learn. Um, a pretty wild story. Pretty too. wild story. A miss might have happened, um, and then might have connected later. <laughs> uh, you have to listen to. I might be just feeding you a whole line of bullshit. You don't even know. <laughs> you have to Never. listen. You have to Never. listen to the whole thing to figure it out. Uh, let's get into the partners. Make this possible. Start out with a title partner, the VIP veteran broadhead. We got this trend going while we are telling you why we shoot the veteran. So, homie, hit him with a little veteran knowledge. I'm going to hit you this week with the components that make the broadhead the broadhead. Uh, we're going to start off with the solid titanium tip, which we've covered. Um, we got the 7075T6 aluminum body and the blade lock ring. We have the million plus cycle inner and outer springs. Got a chrome steel ball bearing that's working with the inner spring. It's all held together by an Allen set screw. And then we have the old trusty lawsuit eliminators. Uh, guards for the blades because they are scalpel sharp. And then, um, you know, we're going to finish up with these broadheads are held together by no plastic and no rubber bands. All metal. So basically there's a lot of stuff going on in there. But... He's got the engineering down flawless. Um, one thing I will say, uh, we have stocked turkeys with these things. We have stocked deer with these things, and the blades do not deploy while stocking. I used to shoot an NAP and a Rage with a rubber band, and if the damn blades, the rubber band shot, then yeah. you just got to stop stocking and replace the rubber band if you notice it, you know? Yeah, So no premature deployment on the veteran. And um, literally, you undo that, that Allen set screw, and then you just unscrew the tip, and everything is literally apart, falls right out of the broadhead, yeah, get it all clean cleaned it up. up real nice and put it right back and send it back into action. Super so. easy. Hit him with the VIP veteran broadhead shout-out. This week's VIP veteran broadhead shout-out is Josh Minnick. He's currently a master sergeant and has spent 16 years in the U.S. Air Force. He had four years active duty flying the E-3 AWACS as an airborne surveillance tech. He has flown a number of President of the United States missions and humanitarian missions over the southern United States after Hurricanes Irene, Katrina, and Rita in 2005. He has left active duty and has spent the last 12 years in the active reserves as a tech where he had to switch jobs twice due to the military cuts. And he has also been deployed to the Middle East. Wow, this guy's a senior out there. 16 yeah. years, definitely got some experience. A lot of surveillance going on here yeah. lately. 
a lot of airborne, a lot of flying, um, helping with the hurricanes. And the president? And then the reserve for 12 years. I mean, this guy's been at it for a long time. We can't we can't thank you enough, Josh, for your service, um, the dedication to this country, so we can do this wonderful podcast. Everybody here at Whitetail Legacy, the VIP brand and the VIP family. One thing I'd like to say, we have been getting a flood of uh, veteran shout-outs here lately. And uh, one thing I've noticed is veterans don't like to call themselves out for their service sometimes. Mm. So I think that if you are a veteran out there and you are listening, feel proud of it, man. Let us shout you out. We take pride in this. This is something that we love to do. This is something that the VIP brand loves to stand for. So let us shout you out. Don't be afraid to message us in. I know in the military it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of hidden, you know, warriors out there that did it and you don't even know they were in the military. They just yep. don't talk about it, you know what right. I mean? So we want to put that out there. Um, and if you know a soldier that or that you might want to shout out, Put them in there. You can do it on Facebook, personal message at uh, White Legacy or WhiteTailLegacyPodcast.com. We have a special page just for the VIP shout-out. Mm-hmm. So uh, hit us up on that. And, um, you know, we've done – we've inquired about some people. And, you know, just like Cody was saying, there are people that don't want to talk about it. But until you ask them about it and then you start a conversation, then – They'll they'll tell you about it and then you know you realize how proud they are and which they should be so yeah um just just start the conversation yeah all right let's get into Sitlock talk about the Oz Radio 400B um I was working nights and uh, the guy I was working with dude <laughs> we're in a truck and he eats pickled herring pickled pickled I'm herring out. so the Oz Radio was definitely in that truck. So when we hopped out of that truck, I turned the odd radio on, get that pickled herring smell out of there. I mean, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. That's real life right there. Yeah. So um, you know who was eating it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I oh, mean, yeah. that's just, he's got some weird eating habits. But you can't knock the guy if he likes it. You just got to put up with it. So this is my way of, he gets in there and they're like, oh, what's that? I'm like, I have no idea what that is, man. <laughs> <laughs> So, it's clean. Uh, yeah, the Oz radio, we use it in the studio, in the home, um, in the basement, at work. Um, we just did it in the locker room at work a while back. So we use it all over the place. Um, let's get into Ingram's outdoor obsession. Um, my freezer's going out in the house. So I got a freezer in the garage. So Ingram's about to get a lot of <laughs> goodies. <laughs> um, one thing Ingram does that, uh, a lot of taxes don't do. He tans his own hides mm-hmm. in-house. So uh, I have some coon hides that uh, Nick's daughter on our first trapping trip got. Oh, really? And, yeah, they're in my freezer, and they are going to go up to Ingram's and get tanned out and given to her as a present as her first trapping trip with her dad as uh, uh, remembrance to that. Awesome. So that's pretty cool. A lot of taxidermists send their own hides off. You lose a lot of detail when you do that, and Ingram does in-house tanning, which and is, maybe inquire a little bit more cost. Yeah, because yeah. some, I mean, somebody's making some money. Yeah, you know, you got to pay for the shipping, pay for tanning, so that's the way he's able to keep it a little bit cheaper than most. Yeah. Um, let's talk about ECW calls, all your custom call needs. Um, there might be some new stuff coming out from ECW. We can't put any leaks out right now but there's definitely some new calls coming out 
maybe an elk call in the works. Um, that's what I heard down the grapevine. So we're excited about that. Uh, hey, we I have can't no tell I, you, We can't tell you what's coming. We can't tell you all the deets, but we <laughs> but can tell you like <laughs> something might happen. But uh, I, uh, I'm excited about that. I have no idea how to blow an elk call. I don't either. It, it's, but it, it requires two hands. I know that. But it'd be a good way to learn. We can get one from ECW, and uh, maybe in eight years when we can afford it, we'll go on elk hunt. There you go. All right, all's guys. I, all I know is that guy's busy. Yep. Uh, we hope you enjoy this episode of a 240-inch legend of the woods out of Illinois. All right, we got Adam Cartwright. Is that, Did I murder your last name, or did I nail it? No, you're good. Oh, nice. So we teased in the pre-roll that we might have had a buck on here that had something wrapped up in its antlers. So this might be this episode. Um, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good. All right, like I said, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, we've been trying to get this in the works for a while, but it worked out great because now you're in the Legend of the Woods series, which your buck is definitely a legend. <laughs> yeah. Um, Illinois buck too, right? Yep. Uh, shameless plug for Illinois right there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on. Uh, uh, tell the audience just a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name's Adam Cartwright. I'm 31 years old. I live in uh, Xenia, Illinois. Um, I've been hunting for probably archery hunting since I was nine years old. Um, and just, that's about it. Nice man. Been archery hunting for a long time. That's cool. Yeah. Um, uh, so the buck you shot, I just want to get right into it, man. I'm so pumped about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did it, did you have, did you have a name for it? Um, uh, when I first got pictures of him, um, me and the farmer actually owns the property. We we named him Superstar. Yeah. Um, to start off with, but uh, <clears throat> it gradually changed through the through the uh, hunting season, and uh, ended up being Dale. Um, I don't know where it came from. I'm just in a couple group Snapchats, and uh, every time he has mentioned it, it turned into Dale. So Bale, that's cool. Yeah. That's a unique name. Yeah. 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 All right. So the story of Bale, I like that. <laughs> um, uh, let's uh, break it down. So you get you got your first trail cam picture. Um, tell tell us when that was. Um. Well, I got my first cam. I I pulled my card. I believe it was the uh, second week of August, close to second week of August. Yeah. Pull it in September. Um, and the camera had been moved. And. Uh, something had knocked it over and still had like probably like 400 and some pictures. Um, it was on a, I guess a funnel you'd say coming from a bedding to food and about midway through, um, there he was about half of his head cut off through the picture from where the camera had been bent oh, over. Man. I hate when that happens. We've had that happen a lot where a coon crawls up or a squirrel or something, and you get, like, two pics of a coon belly, and then it's sideways. <laughs> You're like, yeah. ow. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I had, on, I had it on three-picture burst. Um, he was still walking. Got some good pictures. I believe there was, like, six or, six or nine um, good pictures of him. And... Never could get a straight-on picture to see exactly how wide he was. Um, I didn't know. I mean, I knew he was wide from the farmer he had 
when he was cutting some wheat, he walked out in velvet early in the year. And uh, he's, he got a picture at the cell phone, but it was so far away. I mean, it was like 250 yards away at the cell phone. So it was blurry. But I knew he was big and I knew he was living close to that area. Nice. Yeah, those big ones never seem to just pose perfectly right in front of the camera and just let us get good picks. You in Illinois, a lot of people were like, oh, I got 100 picks. I'm like, we can't bait, man. We don't get the picks <laughs> yeah. that you guys get. You know what I mean? We can't yeah. get those picks where they're just like, turn left, turn right. You know, we got the back view, the side view. <laughs> we can't get those. Yeah, he gave me he gave me almost every view in those uh, six or nine pictures besides straight on or straight away, um, but uh, I ended up ended up before I uh, killed him with twenty seven pictures of him. Uh, so nice. So he was frequenting a little bit. Um, he w- he was um, he disappeared for quite a while, um, you know, out chasing and everything, but. Um, I believe I was definitely in his home area or his core area. Yeah, it's crazy. We hear that a lot, how the bucks disappear and then they come back, you know. So Mm -hmm. when when did he get the barbed wire wrapped up in his antlers? Um, As far as anyone knows, it was the night before I killed him. Oh, man, that is epic. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. And the the same farmer took the picture early in the spring. He had... um, he was actually spraying the same field that fall and jumped him out of a fence row with three does. Um, and he, he says he didn't have it on there. Then he said, I got a good look at him. He even stopped halfway in the fence row and looked at me. Um, uh, granted I had him at 20 yards and, uh, didn't even see it hanging on him when I shot him, but, uh, yeah, when know. you got one coming in like that, you're probably like me. You're just like, okay, it's a giant. Yeah. I'm going to stop looking at the antlers. Yeah. So walking up on that thing, you're probably like, holy smokes, what do we got going on here? Yeah, I actually had, didn't even see the barbed wire until um, I actually tripped on it walking up to him because it was so long. And he, he didn't go to the um, clearest woods either. He went to the thickest part of the thicket, and I just laid down. But Nice. So let's break down the hunt for us. So you got him on trail camera early, and then throughout the season, did you have him on trail cam? Yeah, I got um, him. Um, I got him. Uh, believe it was November fifth and uh, November fourth and fifth, and then November sixth, which I didn't know they were on. He was on my camera. I hadn't checked him, um, and I went in November sixth, early one morning, um, sitting on a a big draw with the actually where I've been getting velvet pictures of them. Um, it was, there was a big, uh, overgrown CRP field and it just got daylight. And I just happened to catch some movement out of the corner of my eye, looked out across the field and there was, I could see antlers, um, pulled my binoculars up and there was another, there was another deer in there. He'd probably go, uh, 160 and he was, coming across the field and I noticed something behind him and I looked and then I seen that's when I seen his whole right side which is the um all messed up side so obviously I got real nervous real quick but uh they were out rubbing on the field it was it was kind of weird I everywhere that 160 incher would go he would go right behind him 
like he was just following them. Um, and then that, I lost him out in the field for a little bit and I happened to, I grunted, I grunted at him and all of a sudden the 160 poked his head up at 30 yards looking right at me. He had me pegged. Um, so he got a little nervous and they went back across the field where I had seen him the first and started tearing up trees and everything. And I grabbed my uh, rattle and antlers and I just barely tickled them together three times and all of a sudden here they came across the field right i mean it was it was like stuff you see on tv i couldn't believe it it happened just like that um anyways they come in um i stand up i'm talking to myself you know tell them don't move obviously you know i'm in this little bitty tree um and the 160 comes in walks 10 yards from my tree and looks right up at me and as he's as he's at 10 yards, uh, Dale's at 60, just staring at him, watching him. The 160 starts getting a little nervous, does a little half moon around me. And um, Dale just starts cutting on an angle towards me. And I had one hole and it was at it was at 45 yards. Um, stopped him in the hole and uh, drew back. And let it go and uh, hit a twig. I could see my, uh, could see my aluminum, uh, aluminum, and it was going right for his face, and I didn't know what to think. Um, ended up hitting him right in the uh, base of his antler, broke the arrow, broke the uh, broadhead, and he took off. And I really, honestly thought that I'd never see him again. That was on November sixth. And of course, you know, I didn't hunt hardly anywhere else. Hunted when the weather is right, hunted when the wind is right, and uh, just stayed on that farm. And I believe it was the 28th. I, well, back up a little bit. I, I was somewhere in mid November, you know, the rut had came and gone, the big part of it. And I was hunting one evening up on the north end of the farm it's a 140 acre farm um not real big not much timber just a bunch of draws and fence rows and um small fields and uh i went well went in one night set my climber and set till after dark and got down reached in my pocket grabbed my flashlight turned on and it was dead so Walked out in the complete darkness, um, got about halfway to the truck and was going down a hill right before I got almost to the road. And uh, there's seen an antler. I picked it up and immediately I knew it was his shed from two years ago. Wow. <laughs> so it, I don't, it was just <laughs> luck. I, it was luck, but still it made me, I was just so discouraged after missing him and everything that it kind of gave me some hope. Yeah, for sure. Move my move my climber a little bit. Uh, I believe it was like maybe a week and a half, two weeks later to the twenty eighth, and the night before, I was sitting I was sitting there in the living room, getting ready for work, and all of a sudden, you know, the farmer, same farmer that seen him or had seen him spray, and he called me and said he jumped him, and uh, I worked till midnight that night, and I knew I was going the next morning, and. Uh, 
So the whole night I, I stressed about where I was going, what side of the farm I was going. I've been hunting north side, but he'd been seen on the south side that night. Um, and I was sitting in the office one night and was talking to another guy that I hunt with. And uh, he, he told me, he was just joking. He's like, well, he don't want to die unless he's on camera. And I, I'd been so careful all year, you know, going in. I had a golf, I have a golf cart. I go in on it, spray everything down, spray myself down. No, trying to keep no scent anywhere. And, uh, so I was nervous and I was like, you know what, let's try it. And uh, my climber been hanging on the North end. So that was the plan just to go in and let him climb up beside me and see what we could see. Um, but I, I checked cameras that day before I found out he was, uh seen on the south end and for five days in a row i had him coming through the funnel i was hunting every morning and i hadn't been hunting so we decided yeah pretty much had him back on a food pattern um and uh he's going food at night and then going back to bed mid-morning uh you know six o'clock to nine o'clock somewhere in there and we uh we went in we went in super early the guy had actually went with me um he had worked all night so we he came over hadn't had any sleep and uh, went with me climbed up and you know i at a couple times i did see him i looked over at him and he was sleeping so um when i did finally see dale i didn't even pay attention if he was awake or not i just stood up and it all happened so quick. He came in, stopped at a log about 45 yards away from me and, and looked around, jumped over the log and walked 20 yards to me and uh, broadside and tried stopping him. He didn't stop and I wasn't letting him get away for a second time. So, so shot him. Go ahead. Was that in the same pinch that uh, you, had, you had been in before? Um, I had hunted it before, but I had never, I, um, not the one where I found, it was actually 20 yards from where I found his shed. Wow. So, nice. And this is, this is late season in the morning too, right? Yeah. November is November 28th, I believe. Nice. It's been a while since I've even, uh, the dates get all mixed up for me <laughs> right? too, man. I'm yeah. terrible about it. Yeah. It's my latest one I've ever killed. Um, normally, you know, it's first two weeks of November. Um, normally when I, I harvest one, but, but it was really weird when, you know, I, I shot him and I knew, I knew I had hit him. Um, actually on the video, I dropped the F-bomb about eight times and turned white, but um, I knew it was right behind the shoulder. It may have been a touch high, but. Um, we got down, started looking for blood and we only found about 20 drops of blood, kept going back to the video, watching where he came or came and went around the trees. And that's how we found the blood. And, uh, I was actually so nervous. I was telling him that, you know, we need to back out and call dog, um, come in, give him more time and this and that. And we took two steps and, um, my buddy Ray. He happened to just 
almost shoved me over. He was laying 20 yards from us dead. Wow. He, he just ran over by a big old tree, <laughs> laid down. He didn't do no crashing or nothing. He just laid down and died right there. So, so you had went to that stand because you had, you had checked your trail cam or did you have a, a cell cam there to, to be able to track him for the five days in a row? No, I had had, I, in the funnel, all the way through the funnel, I had three cameras just trying to stay, see what trails he was, or they were using. And he had, he would hit all three cameras coming from the east to the west every morning for five days in a row. Wow. I wish I could look on cam for five yes, days in a row. <laughs> that's epic, man. That's awesome. I checked it, I checked it that morning that he was seen on the south end, uh, that he got jumped. Um, which it was, it's pretty easy access. I could slip in by a creek, walk the creek, jump out and check cameras and jump right back in. Um, so nice. You brought up a lot of stuff. Um, uh, CRP, man, something about big bucks and CRP. They love that stuff. They, they do. I think they like getting out in there. They like them little saplings that grow out there to rub on and, and just kind of chill out there. And another yeah. thing is uh, a buck you know, a, a mature deer with them. It's like them giant bucks. They get a buddy right. that like, like let coax in first. You know what I mean? I don't know how many stories we've heard where the smaller buck comes in and the giant's like holding back, you know? And, uh, makes me remember, you know, lopsided, a lot of pictures of lopsided and then freeze. Yeah. So that made me realize, well, maybe lopsided and freeze were rolling together and he was using lopsided as kind of a screen. Well, he got through okay, so I'm good to go. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that was pretty cool. You bringing that up. Uh, sounds like you got another stud to hunt this year. If there's a you know passing a 160 to get this deer. Yeah, um, I didn't see him at all this um, this past year. I don't know where he went unless he just changed so much that um, I I couldn't recognize him. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely some some good genes through there. Nice. Um, and it, it blows me away that the barbed wire was put in on the night before you shot him. So when he went through that pinch, the la- the five days, there was no barbed wire on his antlers. No, no, not on him at all. <laughs> That's freaking night. insane. You see, man. I mean, to be rubbing like late, yeah, you know, November. How, I mean, do you, do you have any idea, you know, how he could have got or like an area that he could have picked it up? Um, I talked to the neighbor, um, to the east and he he said he had just put some up um that fall he believed it was his i mean it's clean there's not a bit of rust on it um but i never went and looked over yeah. there to see if, yeah, i noticed he, that it was like bright shiny it wasn't yeah. like he got into something that someone had threw you know an old fence line or something uh maybe you know, maybe he was fighting something and got tangled up in it but it's just crazy how it was like it seemed like he'd been wrapped up in that wire for a while, you know, as tight yeah. as it was on his rack. So, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I would say he was, and it. I'm just glad he got out of it rather than me have you know finding him or someone else. Oh finding yeah, him tangled up there. Yeah, you see that all the time where bucks tangled up, you know, on social media, and someone's cutting them out, or they find one tangled up in the barbed wire. And I've never found one like that before, but I know it happens a lot. Yeah. Uh, with it being new fence, you know, he could have just been cruising for does and not a fence there normally and just ran right yeah. into it, you yeah. know. And with yeah. all that, 
you know, he's got so much mass and points and kickers and stuff, just pretty easy to get it tangled up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, the night before um, I killed him, I didn't know it until after I killed him, but someone had seen him um, going across the highway, going clear, and there's not much over there. I think there's a 200-and-some-acre pasture before it ever turns into woods, so he covered some ground the night before um, that I harvested him. So. Yeah, that is something to shout out to. Buck, the bucks travel a lot more through pieces where there's no timber than what we believe we've seen it multiple times last year where bucks are traveling north and we're the last piece of timber north for a half mile yeah. you know what i mean yeah. and then they're yeah. and then four days later they're coming back from the north you're <laughs> like okay <laughs> you know so you just went up there and checked for does and swung back down so i i think a lot of those pieces that are like on the far extremities that people are like well there's no timber that's not connecting it on this end. It's better than, might be better than you think. So, yeah. So you, I mean, you shoot him, you walk up, he's 20 yards away. Um, what, what was your react? I mean, I, I may have dropped some F-bombs when I shot my buck. So I feel <laughs> what you're saying. And especially yeah. when you know you put a good shot on him, then you're like, oh yeah, you know. Uh, but yeah. uh, what was your, what was your reaction walking up on, to, up on him? Um. I, I mean, there's really no, I don't know how you, how anyone could react. You know, I was excited. Um, I was actually just speechless. I didn't know. I finally got them to lay my hands on them, you know, deer hunted for so long, but this is the only deer that has actually drove me insane. Like it did. I mean, it was just bad all year, especially after missing them and, um, I was, you know, we, we did a little interview holding them and it, I was just speechless. Um, I didn't really know what to say. Counted the points. Um, yeah. How many points was he? 27 scoreable. <coughs> 27 scoreable. And you said he was 240? 241 and seven eights. I didn't even know Gross. how to get that big. <laughs> Giant, man. Yeah, twenty-seven scoreable points. But I mean, you had to, you have to add ten inches for the bob wire at least. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. 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 When I I uh, I told homie I complete Ricky Bobby, and I had no idea what to do with my hands when you get up to a buck like that. You're like, I don't know what to do, man. You know, you just yeah. just in a in a mode. You're like, you know, you finally got it done. Now, you yeah. know, you're just it, on cloud nine. Yeah. It. it you know, everyone. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable how the word traveled so fast. Um, the only people I called before I even got out of the tree, um, I called my dad, I called, uh, my boss just cause I had to work that night. Um, and, uh, did I you tell him, wife. yeah, I'm not going in for a week. <laughs> yeah. Actually, he was really good about it. He told me that I wasn't working as long as I had a personal day left. So, um, so nice. Yeah, that. But, and I don't know who, how many people the guy Ray, the guy that was with me, told. But I, he was down out of the tree waiting on me to get down. Trying, <laughs> he was wanting to go see him too. So um, he actually beat me down. Um, but it was actually on the. I was parked on the one of our main highways, just pulled off on the shoulder where I'd parked all year, and uh, before you know, a couple of buddies with me, they came to help me and. 
Um, before it was said and done, I think there was 15 cars parked on the side of the highway. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you dragging him out. I would have pulled over yeah. too, man. I couldn't help. It. I'd be like, all right, I got to go see what this is. What do yeah. we got? So. Um, I actually had a, had a game warden, um, uh, good friends with, he, he came and, you know, did some pictures, verified, try to keep the, um, haters, you say, so to say, yeah. uh, away and can feel that man. And he had, he had been, um, he came, picked me up a couple of times, you know, we drove around, told him where he'd been seen, you know, just looking. Cause I, I mean, he's definitely a deer that could, uh, be poached pretty easily. He was being seen almost weekly in daylight hours. So, wow. Super daylight. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. He was well known, um, through the whole County and everyone, you all you had to say was that, um, highway deer and everyone knew it so nice i think it's crazy how daylight he was or how many times you know the farmer seen him or you know just wandering around daylight on cams you know for me that just don't happen you know on the regular so i I find it very interesting when when you know i hear stories like this of you know multiple people seeing him or you know multiple hunters you know or having years of history with him you know i i think that that stuff's really cool yeah yeah he was you know most time you don't especially after you have an encounter with them i mean they go nocturnal and stay there you know rest of the season um but he was maybe a couple days and then it was all of a sudden i get another phone call there he is you know he was over here crossing the highway um seeing him coming out of this thicket Uh, my uncle actually called me it was first shotgun season i believe um he called me and said, I almost hit him on the, the other highway, um, two, two miles away from where I had missed him. And we were talking, that was within 10 days of me missing him. So, wow. So it, it goes back to show, just like we've heard a lot. Sometimes they leave their home range, but if you got a buck that's home range in there, if he survives the rut, he's going to come back. Yeah. So that, you know, that's good to piece the stories together. We get to hear a lot of these legends, you know, and we get to piece them together and it's crazy how similar a lot of them are. You know what I mean? So it's cool for us to hear that. Uh, I want to go back to when you, you missed, you didn't really miss the deer. You hit the antler. So I'm still <laughs> counting that as a hit, but uh, anyway, so I mean, you're in the CRP, you got a 45 yard shot. You take the shot, which I take 45 yard shot all day, you know, especially, you know, if, if I feel good about it. And uh, to hit the antler, how many days was it before you got a trail cam picture of him again? Um, I got one at night. It was about a week later in that same CRP. Nice. I feel like when a I've like for me, if a buck had an encounter like that, I always wondered like how many days mm. should you wait until you go hunt him again? Because if he's in that area, you know, do you crush in there the next day, or do you need to like let him? a cooling off it period, cool you know, off, yeah. give them a yeah. few days. <laughs> Cause yeah. we know they don't forget that stuff, you know, but. Yeah. I, I believe the weather was bad for that stand anyways. Um, so I don't think I even went back in there. Um, and that's, it was, I think I checked that camera going back in there a week later or so. And that he was in there the night before, um, in the CR out in the middle of the CRP. But, 
Nice, man. That's CRP. They got the bed in there. They like to push those in there. If you can yeah. find a piece that's got good CRP on it within a good area, it's going to hold some deer. So. Yeah. That's what I told the, when we went and first looked at it, putting cameras out, we were looking around. I never, never stepped foot on that farm until like, until 2017. And, uh, I had, we were riding around on the golf cart and, were, the beans were of course you know waist high and um, I was like well what's on top of that hill and he said well that's like a 15 acre CRP field I looked at him and he still says I looked at him like like uh, I was dumbfounded I'm like well let's go up there and we rode up there and I told him I said he'll die in this and actually the uh, tree stand that I hung it was just a hang on it took me two and a half hours to get it situated in the tree. It was so small and so crooked and I didn't, I didn't have any stand, you know, to hang in crooked trees. So um, yeah, the CRP field, that's one bad thing. Most of the time it's either, you know, it's something that hasn't been timber. So you're just looking at trees that have grown up on yeah. an old field, you know, and they might be five, six, seven years old. So you don't have the best option. They're not going to be a big Oak tree out there to get in most of the time, you know, <laughs> All right. No, no. Um, I ended up actually having to take a screw, a two by four, and screw into the side of the tree to get the stand to sit level, um, and situated enough. And I was only about twelve to probably twelve foot off the ground, um, which isn't bad. But I prefer to be about twenty or twenty-five normally. Yeah, there's a lot of people say, man, it's about the tree. You know, if you got to be 12 and that's the spot, which it obviously was, you knew he was using that area. You had an opportunity at him, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was on the south. It was on the south side of the field. Um, obviously, you know, my plan of it was was he would be cruising, <laughs> cruising that CRP field um, in the rut, um, checking that northwest wind across that field. Um, and he, he came from the south edge of it, but he, he went out across the middle and just made a big circle out through it. Um, he didn't check it like I thought he would, but he was also following the, you know, the 160 it was with him. Do so, you have an approximate age of, of that deer? Um, I didn't, I didn't age him, but he was, I had him at six and a half. Nice. Just by truck camera pictures and, uh, because there's three years of trail camera pictures of him that I know of. And, um, you can, the, the first year that I've seen, um, I mean, his body size, he, he looks mature in it to me. Um, nice. But, yeah. It's, it's always cool to see, you know, what, what kind of caliber of deer. Cause we hear some of the legends are four and a half and some are, you know, eight, you know, it just depends on yeah. different deer peak at different times, but. Yeah. Um, the game warden actually, he checked his teeth as soon as we got in the truck and he said, as wore down as they are, it's, it's kind of a guess without sending it off. He, but he's at least five and a half. Nice. So, um, so, uh, we like to ask this, you know, uh, we like to ask a couple questions on these, but, um, what, what do you think ended up being the reason that you killed that deer? You know, if you could boil down just a couple of tactics that you think made you successful, what would it be? Um, I say trail cameras is, is a game changer, um, for sure. I don't know if I would have went hunting any, any more that late like that. If I wouldn't have got pictures of him five days in a row, um, 
Yeah, I mean that that's pretty late even for me to be hunting mornings. You know, uh, yeah, it's hard to catch them. You know, you you're better back on that feed pattern, and you're just expecting them to be in bed. You know, so early in the morning. But like you said, having them trail cameras out there and catching them so many times in a row, uh, that really motivates you to get out there even after working all night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, scent control was one of my biggest deals that year. You know, I I wouldn't go in and, ever, you know, without – I'd dress at the truck and undress at the truck. Um, always use scent control anything i could but yeah you never know how much those bucks can take you know you gotta you can hunt the wind all you want but that ain't gonna prevent a deer from walking where you walk walk you know and catching a whiff and and vacating that property it's crazy how some bucks have like more thresholds than other but i feel like if you're in a home range of a deer it has a lot more threshold than we think you know so yeah you got to risk it for the biscuit, as a lot of people say. You got to go in, like you said, when the weather's right. You know that you're going to be risking it, but the chances are higher in your favor to kill them. So. Yeah, I had actually went in one evening. Um, it was a light rain. Um, went in with my climber. I hadn't hung hardly any stands. I hunted majority of a climber all year. Um, went in. I'd been. I knew a tree sitting on a creek crossing and. Um, as soon as I got climbed up and everything, I get a, a phone call and say, hey, that deer just crossed uh, 80 yards in front of your truck. Oh, <laughs> man. Wow. And I'm like, well, I'm 150 yards in front of my truck. So. Crazy. Never yeah. know. Like, just like we say, you really never know how close you are to these deer. You know, when you're yeah. out there hunting, you're a lot closer than you think you are. A lot of the times, I think. So yeah i was just it's so thick in the in the uh draw and i'd say i bumped him going in he just waited till it got quiet and snuck out and slipped across the highway um it's my only guess but we know a couple people that hunt right on the highway and have really good success yeah yeah (laughs) yeah that's not something might you know listeners might want to look into if you see a piece that's next to a main highway you're like oh there's way too much traffic them bucks cross that all the time, you know. Oh yeah, they. You can watch them deer. I watched them, you know, um, last couple of years, and that that traffic, it doesn't even bother them. There's, you know, people laying on horns at them crossing the highway, and they just those, you know, they'll acknowledge it, but they they definitely will still use it. They're gonna use it. So I have hunted a property that has a four-lane highway next to it, and, you know, you get 200, 250 yards away from that highway, you can't even hear the traffic, you know, unless you get yeah. a loud semi or something coming by. But, you know, other than that, I mean, you're not going to hear hear that traffic as much as you think you would out while you're hunting. No, yeah, you. it's pretty quiet um, once you get away from it, but... You can hear it in my video. It's, um, it's, I'm pretty close to the highway. For I'm, some reason, I haven't watched the video, so I'm going to have to watch that. I didn't know it was on video. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's, <coughs> we haven't really got, we haven't really let much of it loose yet. Oh, okay. Um, there, I think there's some small clips out there of it. Um, but it's not much. Um, 
he woke up from his little nap and saw me standing up and saw him standing in front of me at 45 yards. <laughs> he still got it done, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he actually did really good because I stopped him or tried stopping him um, where he couldn't see him. So he got he got the camera swung around. Just it sounds like he did a better job than us. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, it's a new challenge for sure. Yeah, for sure. Video. Uh, one more thing we like to ask. Um, once you shot that buck, you know, you had a bunch of people there, you know, watching you drag it out. Could you, did the neighbors have any history that you could piece together or anybody else that had been hunting them to really show kind of what that deer was doing? Um, the neighbor that we think the barbed wire came from, he actually has the other side of the shed that I found from two years prior. Um, other than that, um, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's people out there that I haven't really talked to much or don't talk to and that have seen him. Um, I know he was missed for shotgun season, um, the year I killed him. But, Man. Deer's everywhere. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he's crossing the road like that and people are seeing him, the farmer's jumping him, yeah. people are, I mean, it don't take very long for that buck like that. Someone's like, oh, I'm getting on that piece. You know what I mean? So that's yeah. crazy. He was missed the you know, that shotgun season, those deer, man, they just survive somehow um, on unbelievable odds, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He actually had, um, I believe it, my opinion, I believe there was two 22 bullet holes, um, in the back of his neck. Um, when I found one hole when I was in, um, looking at him and everyone was standing around, um, it, it kind of looked like maybe it was, one of his own tines that punctured the skin. Um, and then what the taxidermist told me that when he was caping him, um, he found another hole that had actually healed up on the back of the neck. Hmm. Um, nice. Yeah. So. We, we fear we got some taxidermist stories too, where <laughs> rifle rounds fall out of capes and stuff, you know, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a lot of people out there doing that. And, and like you said, if that deer was crossing the road, no, you know, no doubt about it. Someone's out there, pops 22 out you know we see road oh. hunting in illinois missouri is huge i used to grow up in missouri man that's just a major problem down there not as much in illinois i think but still definitely happens um, yeah so. yeah he was on some of the main highways in the county so it, it was it had been more difficult but obviously there's some side roads and farm roads um but real lucky he didn't get hit by a car crossing that road that. back and forth that would have been tragic yeah, that was one of the big things. Um, I'm actually a deputy sheriff, so every time we'd get a, a car a deer accident in that area. Oh, man, you're just side. sweating. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You're rolling up I there either, like, oh, I'd try on. to get there first, or, you know, try to get there. Um, or if I was not working, the other deputies would let me know that there was one there and it wasn't him, um, so on. But. Well, we appreciate what you do You're in your line of service, man. I know you guys don't get a lot of credit these days, but we appreciate you out there keeping us safe. Even though when you pull me over and give me a ticket, it's not real cool, but I know you're doing it for the right reasons, and I'm I'm in the wrong. So I appreciate you guys out there yeah, doing that. Thank you. Yeah. You got any more questions? Man, I mean, a 240-inch deer, I mean, that's, that's epic. Uh, there was an article in North American Whitetail, correct? Um, it was the rack. Magazine. Oh, it was rack. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. 
See here, I'm dropping names and it's wrong. So, uh, what issue was that? Do you know? It was February of 2018, I believe. Nice. So, if you want to read more on the story, see some pictures, uh, you can check out that Rack Magazine. And where where can the people find you on social media? Um, my social media is uh, just at Facebook is Adam Cartwright. Um, uh, Instagram's the same. I'm also on uh, Second Nature Outdoors uh, at on Facebook and Second Nature TV on Instagram, um, as well as uh, Second Nature Outdoors TV dot com. Nice. Talk a little bit about Second Nature. Give you a shameless plug here. Um, it's just basically a, a pro staff that me and uh, another. Uh, fellow deputy the one that was recording me and then also two uh p- floor police officers um we started it 2018 um just another challenge you know we've all killed some pretty decent deer and uh put another challenge on it, a video and then sharing our sharing our hunts with friends and family and whoever else wants to watch yeah super cool man filming adds a whole new level lots of fun showcase it to people and uh tell the stories you want to you want to tell the way you want to tell them so yeah definitely rewarding when you put it all together and you get to watch it at the end and uh yeah you can always have them memories you know look back at them yeah i haven't watched i haven't watched my uh video for a long time but um, every time i do it's still you know yeah, I got Still my hope. my uh, recovery saved on my laptop, and sometimes I just pop it up, and I'm like, man, what an epic, you know, what an epic yeah. moment. So, yeah. uh, my boy the other day, uh, big on, he's a big YouTube watcher. I think all kids <laughs> are, but he goes, I yeah. want to watch that dove hunting video, and it's him dove hunting, and that's what he wanted to watch on YouTube. So I was like, that's pretty cool. So it's it's cool to get your film out there and be able to yeah. see it for yourself, you know. Yeah. Hopefully or soon or, you know, we're working on some stuff with second nature to try to get some videos out and hopefully that's what we're kind of waiting to, um, you know, to show Dale's video, nice. have something, have something with it. So, well, I'm excited to see it, man. I appreciate you spending some time with us here tonight. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, man. 240 inches and. He probably shot at least three inches off when he hit the base of the antler. I do have. The mass probably shrunk at least an inch. <laughs> I'm saying, uh, I I uh, I can't even fathom this story, man. A missed encounter on a 240, and then to have a second chance and to get it done. I mean, just to have a miss on that is devastating. So props to him for getting back out there and keeping hunting, keep running those cams late in the season and trying to get it done. You know what's really come through here in the last few episodes of the Legend of the Woods series is, you know, a lot of these guys are getting, you know, eyeballs on these deer before, you know, they shoot them or, you know, have it like a really good encounter, you know, or, you know, they got the farmer bumping them around or whatever. Um, I just feel like with me, you know, that doesn't happen, but, you know, I'll have good camera activity. So, you know... Maybe my stain placement is, isn't as good, and that's something that I need to rethink going into this year, like where my um, stands are at in coordinate to my cameras. So um, something I'm going to be thinking about. Yeah. some uh, 
it seems like they see a lot of them on the field edge or they've they're getting them out you know in the beans early i would say definitely definitely if you got beans you need to probably you need to have a camera somewhere the camera around that yeah and definitely glass so we hope you guys enjoyed this episode we definitely enjoyed talking to adam um check out second nature outdoors um their content on social see some pics of this barbed wire buck 240 inch legend of the woods um get out there try to leave a legacy and white tail legacy's out